welcome to this episode of the Psychology Hour, brought to you by the National Register of Health Service Psychologists, where today we'll talk about the experience of seeking out mental health services through telepsychology, which means communicating with a mental health professional through some kind of electronic medium like video streaming or texting, with help from our knowledgeable guest, Dr. Samuel Lusgarden, who's a postdoctoral resident at the University of Wisconsin-Madison University Health Services. Sam, welcome. Great to be here with you. Sam, let's dive right in here. Let Pretend I'm a person who's been thinking about meeting with a mental health clinician for, for some time, for the first time, and I've decided that for me, receiving mental health services through my phone, through, through my computer, or, or my tablet of choice is the best direction for me. In, in that scenario, what are good questions I should be asking myself? Well, first of all, I, I feel like if you're asking this question, that's fantastic, you know, and we're living in a day and age where there's affordability and accessibility of services, even at a distance. And as we talk today in my conversation with you, Danny, I'd like to emphasize that, you know, I really want to create and help inform consumers and to, to think about the questions they might ask and, and what they might need to ensure that they're doing it safely and securely. I think about this kind of coffee analogy that, that comes to mind when we're, when we're talking about this. I think it's essential that you know, we are critical consumers in this day and age. And, and so one of the things that I, I say is like, well, I'm curious where my, my coffee came from, for instance. If I go to a barista and I say, where, where was this made or, or how was it done or how was this produced? A barista may not be able to answer that question, and that's okay. But being a critical consumer means that we're, we're starting to ask these, these really maybe challenging questions to help open doors, not close them, but open doors about the therapy process to ensure that we're remaining private, confidential, safe, and secure, and that it enhances trust, autonomy, and competence, both in the provider and that person that is receiving a service. So I think, you know, to your question, Danny, one of the first places you should start is thinking about the medium. And what I mean by that is, how would you like to communicate with a provider? What works for you? There are things like simply having a telephone call, text messaging, and even doing video conferencing, all at a distance. And there are a variety of pros and cons to each of these. Take phones, for instance. You know, this is something that we're probably all well, well and good used to using. We know how to, to handle that. So that's a pro in many ways. We have exposure to phones. We know how they work. We have practice. Phones are also great when it comes to synchronous communication. And when I say synchronous, I mean that we're having a conversation at the same time. And I'll, I'll illuminate why that might be important um, based on another example in a second. If you think about one of the cons of a phone call, though, that means that I need to be on the phone. I need to be talking aloud. And there may be situations or circumstances where I don't feel comfortable or safe talking on the phone with my mental health provider. Another example of a medium could be text messages or texting. 
Now, text, texting could be really advantageous if you don't feel comfortable with that phone call. You can quickly, usually privately and silently text message a provider. One of the cons though for some people may be that it's an asynchronous communication, meaning that when I text message a provider or someone in my life, I may not expect an immediate response. That response might take some time to get back to me. So if you're someone that might prefer uh, an immediate response to each of your questions and would find it difficult to wait some amount of time otherwise, then a phone call or a video conference where you're directly communicating with that provider may be for you. That idea that you've shared about considering the medium, thinking about texting, thinking about a phone call, what works in your particular context, in your situation, is I think a really important point. But after I've, I've sort of considered that, that item, and I wanna go next to like, okay, I wanna do this, who, where do you go? Well, where would one go to secure this kind of service? Are there, are there individual providers? Are there, are, are there practices or groups that provide these telepsychology services that I could find on, on Google? So I guess, yeah, that would be, that, that's that next point. Like, where, where do you go? Right. And, and this is a great question because the field is so new in regards to incorporating technology into psychological provision of services that we are still sort of learning how to communicate who has what and to find those things. If you were to Google telepsychology services, you would definitely see a bunch of different ads and results for companies that are providing this. But I want to break down some options for the, the general consumer that's interested in engaging in therapy over some sort of technological medium. You could go to individual psychologists who provide both in-person plus telepsychology services. So there are a variety of providers that are on the the burgeoning new end of things that work with clients in person, but allow clients to be seen over these distance-based mediums. Secondarily, you could go to a provider that only provides telehealth services. Third, you could go to third-party companies that have contractors. I like to call them sort of the Uber drivers of mental health. They, they have contractors that are licensed professionals to go and have services. Those third-party companies often have their own software, have their own websites, offer billing and insurance that is more seamlessly integrated, which can be a real advantage. One of the downsides, though, is it may be a less of a personal relationship with an individual provider and more of a relationship with that company that contracts providers. With the understanding that you're not providing a formal recommendation, are there examples of those third-party companies that you're describing that come to your that come to mind? Or in that scenario, you said when I Google, or if I were to Google that, would some you expect pop up that, that you can think of? Yeah, I think it might be reasonable to expect companies like BetterHelp which 
they provide text messaging and all sorts of telepsychology services. Teladoc, which provides phone and video conferencing services with a bunch of different providers. Teladoc works with primary care providers and then also behavioral health like psychologists. There's a third option, Morneau Chappelle, which um, they may, you may see their name if, if you work for a company and they contract out through their health insurance company, um, psychological services. There are a variety of different ways that you might access that care and a number of different names in the field and a growing list each day. Let's take it a step past that point then. So I've considered the medium. I've been asking myself, where would I like to go if it's an individual provider, a telehealth only provider or, or a third party that, that you described? What are, what are questions that I sh should ask the provider once I've considered it, found, who I, found that provider that I want potentially to work with? What specific questions do I ask them to know that they have a, a competence or that they know what they're talking about? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think this is similar to how you might vet a, a provider, a psychologist that you're thinking about working with in person. Where did they get their training? How do we know that they're competent to deliver services over some sort of technological medium like telepsychology? You know, where did they receive that training, gain practice, and learn to apply it in the context that you find yourself in? There are some really important questions that I also think about. If I were thinking about going with one of those companies that I mentioned, where does my information go? And that might seem like a strange question, but what I mean is that each time we have communications with a mental health provider in person, they're usually taking notes, saving them somewhere. In a telepsychology medium, let's say doing video conferencing with a provider that I don't see, what information's created about me? What's stored? Are the video conferencing, uh, the actual videos collected? And if they're not, what information is created in the process? Are there just notes that are stored? Where is that information stored? You know, it's, it's kind of a funny thing when we think about typing something up in, in a, some sort of cloud-based word processing software. You know, where is that information going? It's not just on my computer. It's also on some other company's servers. And so it's sometimes really important to know where that goes. How long is that information retained? So what I mean by that is, is there eventually a date within which my data, my protected health information is deleted? Can they tell me? Do they know if it's deleted? You know, there's this funny thing about deletion when things are backed up or stored in clouds is that when you delete data in one place, it doesn't necessarily delete it everywhere. And so it's important to know when, you know, a certain set period of time goes by, is that data eventually deleted? And is it deleted everywhere? And lastly, I think one of the big questions to be asking is, how is my data protected? What privacy and security procedures do you have to ensure that I don't become the next leak? You know, we are living 
in a time where we are hearing news reports every day about data storage leaks. It was just the other day uh, reading about Facebook and, and their latest leak. It's important to know that great companies, big companies who have lots invested in privacy and security sometimes have data leaks. And so it's important, uh, I'd say essential to ensure that providers and that organization are trying their best to comply with the greatest security standards possible. Sam, your answer here is reminding me, I think of a point you made at the start of our conversation when you provided the coffee analogy where you, you sort of prefaced it by saying, we wanna be an informed user and consumer of a, of a service. And so in, in this discussion, when I'm, when I'm hearing you talk about you know, some of the realities with privacy and confidentiality, we wanna balance that out with that, I think for many folks, could be a concern and give you pause, but there's also this part where the emphasis should be on being an informed consumer and user, where when we use the service properly and we ask important questions, we can really set ourselves up for a positive experience uh, using a mental health service through a kind of electronic medium. And so I think that I really like the way you, you put that earlier with that coffee analogy. Absolutely. I think that it's, it's essential that, that we're asking these questions not to be antagonistic or to be aggressive or to question whether or not um, I even want to engage in telepsychology, but rather to help make us informed consumers. And in the process of becoming an informed consumer, it, it empowers us to know information about you know, what's happening with my my protected health information, where does it go? And by asking these questions, you're gonna hopefully be able to have a collaborative conversation with whatever provider you choose to work with um, and whatever organization you choose to work with. And there are a variety of publicly accessible tools that can help as well, thinking about terms and conditions or privacy policies that companies have. They often list out some answers to these questions. So it can be a helpful place to look as well. To recap, so I've got a couple things to do when I've, when I've been listening. So consider that medium, which platform works for you in terms of texting or phone or video conference, where would you go? You outlined a couple options there. And then I've, I've really appreciated what you've said about some specific questions that you can ask providers that are really important but after I've asked that question, Sam, what are there things that I should, should hear back? Are there phrases that you'd see, or, or in your opinion, would be, would be helpful to hear that I should be kind of like, oh, I'll keep my ears open for that phrase or that word? Yeah, I think one of the fundamental words that I think about when it comes to security and privacy is encryption. Uh, to encrypt data and and so as a consumer, I'd be looking for that word in a, a few different places. Additionally, I'd think about HIPAA, which is the health insurance policy that governs the protected health information that's created as a part of medical and mental health services. I'd be looking for that, that key term, HIPAA or high tech along the way. That would help comfort me and think about that this company 
has been really processing and developing mechanisms, not just to stay compliant with federal regulations, but also to protect my information. There's a point here, and I'm pausing and just thinking about our discussion and going back to one point you made about the cost of mental health services and that with telepsychology, there has been kind of an expansion of services and accessibility. Sam, what about the price point for telepsychology services? What, what might folks expect for cost? While this is a great question, Danny, it's a hard one to answer. There are complexities to financing or paying for telehealth or telepsychology. The reason why I'm a little hesitant to provide a specific number is that there can be individual areas like insurance that your company pays for. There can be your own budget and what that means for a sliding scale or not. And and it depends on the medium that you choose too. In general, what I can say is that it seems like text messaging and or phone-based telepsychology tends to be a little bit cheaper than video conferencing or specialty mental health care in-person style therapy. And so we, when we look at that spectrum, probably texting is on the cheaper end of things because it is that asynchronous communication all the way to the more expensive in-person because someone needs to maintain an office, you're meeting with them in person, and they can really only do that for that 45 minutes or hour or however long you're talking with that provider. What an interesting and, and I think valuable discussion this has been, Sam, but, but like all good things, I'm afraid we'll, we'll need to wrap up this episode of the Psychology Hour from the National Register of Health Service Psychologists. And similar to all episodes of the Psychology Hour, a reminder to our listeners that this discussion does not serve as formal mental health advice or mental health service and is not a substitute for meeting with or receiving services from a licensed mental health professional, but is instead intended for general information and discussion purposes only.